But let's start off with something that went down this weekend in Toronto. Um, three protesters have since been released from custody following anti-racism demonstrations this weekend um, that saw three downtown Toronto statues splashed in pink paint. Black Lives Matter Toronto held an anti-racism demonstrations this weekend. And during the Saturday rally, protesters threw pink paint, cans of them, on three statues, Egerton Ryerson at Ryerson University, Johnny McDonald, and King Edward VII at Queen's Park. And police arrested one man and two women, all facing multiple charges, including mischief. Saron uh, Gabber-Selassie is a trial lawyer and I think one of the lawyers for the accused. She joins the show right now. Welcome to the show, Saron. Good to have you on. Good morning. <clears throat> So what are the charges against um, your your client? Are you only representing one of the three or are you representing all of them? So Saturday, uh, you know, these are very like a call that came into the office saying there's been arrest at 52 division. I expected this to take 30 minutes, um, which is much more routine. And it ended up lasting about 15 hours. And that's um, and uh, and so that's part of uh, part of the concern is, you know, uh, all of the conflicting information. Uh, the Toronto Police Service uh, put out a press release saying two out of the three uh, Canadians were released, uh, and and that that news went around the world, only uh, to discover that they actually weren't released at all. Um, they were released after two o'clock in the morning, uh, and so um, you know, I think the the main message here for the future um, that the movement is trying to bring attention to is you know this global question around. Uh, repurposing the police budget, um, questions around equality, questions around, um, uh, you know, anti-racism. I mean, we have, you know, two global pandemics raging right now with the COVID-19 pandemic. And as you've seen, protests all around the world uh, drawing attention to you know, inequality issues and racial injustice. Okay, well, well, and and these are important conversations to have, um, and it's important that we, you know, take note of what people are saying. But I want to just get to the beginning of the story here, if we could. So uh, there were three people arrested in Toronto for throwing a pink paint on three statues. We know that um, they one of the charges include mischief. But are you representing all of the clients, or are you the lawyer for one of the clients? Um, and also, what are the charges against your client? So the charges are uh, mischief. Um, there are three counts of mischief under 5,000, and there's also another charge of, uh, of, of conspiracy to commit a summary offense. Uh, right now, the calls are growing uh, for uh, for uh, all... For charges all, to be dropped. For charges to be dropped and to have yeah. a, a resolution of this matter. And that's been called from, you know, all sections of civil society, including our elected officials. I would also point out uh, that, uh, you know, as an alumnus of Ryerson, you're probably to yourself. Okay, uh, two things. Ryerson University has distanced itself, has denounced um, the legacy of um, Egerton Ryerson. I wouldn't Yeah, be so surprised. why is the statue still up is a question mark. And also there's, there's questions raised on, you know, why these people were arrested when um, every Frosh week, Frosh covered that statue with stickers that they have to painstakingly take off and there's no charges um, exactly. raised there. And engineering students, who are some of the most creative students on campus across the country, from UBC to U of T to Ryerson to York, have engaged in this pales in comparison to what they uh, do during Frosh Week and orientation. And our campuses celebrate and reward engineering 
students when they do things like turn cars upside down, deface statues. How did they um, reward people that turn cars upside down? Oh, so you, they, they literally have a contest and the and the uh, the, the campus or the students who um, who can outdo one another with their various art, you know, interventions. Um, and so there's competitions, there's rivalries, there's rivalries. Okay, but the, the, surely you're not suggesting that people go out on the roads and, and during Ryerson's Frosh Week and compete to see who can turn over the most cars. There's got to be a car that's used for this. No, I'm saying that's actually that's exactly what happens on engineering campuses across the country and in the United okay. States. Um, UBC, but it wouldn't be so sanctioned by points, the by the university. Yeah, actually, they are. They're um, they're turning over uh, people's cars, public property. No, 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 no. I'm saying their activities are celebrated in the culture and in campus culture. It's normalized. They put up stickers. They put up. Um, they, yeah, you know, but I mean, the car, I mean, I'm with you on the stickering, but the car thing is something totally different. I think we're getting our, our messages no, mixed my, up. But my point it, is, my, my and I, I certainly wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, uh, I'm just drawing attention to the fact that there is a bit of a double standard, in my sure. opinion. That's sure. All. And yeah. I think people could agree with you on that. But so now, do you represent one of the clients or one of the charged or, or all of them? Uh, so I was brought in. So my mandate was to, um, there was a call out and I was brought in to negotiate uh, the releases um, on uh, on Saturday um, and, um, and to protect the constitutional right to counsel. And that's one of the other uh, big issues, which is, you know, every Canadian has a constitutional right to access legal counsel immediately and without delay. That's Section 10B. And, uh, and in, in this instance, that's not what happened. Um, okay, so the, what happened? Tell us your your side of the story. You were you were alerted to the fact there's been arrests made, uh, and people are being held at 52 Division. What happens then, and how long did it take you to see a client? One so of the accused. Officer NATO, so Staff, Staff Sergeant Chung was the um, acting sergeant um, at 52 Division, later replaced by Officer NATO. Um, typically, normally in a matter like this, or an arrest or a detention. Uh, releases are, you know, done within sometimes within an hour if there's a promise to appear at a next court date, or sometimes they can be held over for uh, for a day for a hearing uh, to come about. And so, um, why this had to go on for as long as it did is is really concerning. And I, um, how long and did it go on for? How long were you denied in person access to camp, to uh, one of the accused? The Toronto Police Service released um, a statement announcing the arrest uh, at approximately 10:50, close to 11 a.m. Uh, and there was no, uh, and the first contact uh, to counsel came up hours later, uh, closer to 3.30 p.m. Uh, the release, they announced the release and said that all two of the three Canadians were released effective immediately uh, at 5 p.m. And then as we saw with our elected officials and uh, civil society organizations and documented in social media around the world, that release never didn't happen. So on the one hand, we have the police service telling the public and the world that are, these Canadians are released. But then on the ground, that's, not what, that, that's actually not what happened at all. And the release came actually closer to 2.30 in the morning. Okay, you're so, quoted as saying in the Toronto Star article, I was there on standby for over 12 hours and was denied access to uh, counsel all, uh, all throughout. I got two phone calls. Is that a quote from you? So, uh, the, so the constitutional right to counsel is very straightforward. You have the, if you find yourself arrested or detained pursuant to Section 10B, you have a right to, to counsel immediately and without delay. That is not even, that's black and white, and that, that right belongs to everybody. And, and we have to look at the moment here. This is a part of, uh, of, a, of, a, of 
sort of community organizing around the world. And so this was an opportunity to demonstrate leadership, to step in, you know, for Chief Saunders to step in and say, uh, let's, like, let's resolve this right now. This does not have to um, be this way. No protester wanted to be there. Every, all of the community members had, I'm sure many uh, wanted to wrap up and do other things. But, um, but that's not possible when we don't have, you know, uh, don't have that leadership, don't have uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, aren't hearing directly from Chief Saunders. And he should have been there, well, to be honest. Okay, I, I want to just, because uh, I don't have a ton of time with you here, um, talk about a couple of tweets that went out. One of them is is uh, from the Toronto police. But um, one of them was from um, a lawyer, a criminal lawyer in Toronto named uh, Lawrence Gridden, who commented that the detention conditions were not unusual. The ones that you say were unusual, they say they're, he said they're not. I can count on zero hands the number of times I've been granted physical access to a client under arrest. Showing up at the police station is pointless. There is no such right. With a few exceptions, the charter only allows a det- de- detainee one phone call to the lawyer of their choice showing up at the police station is pointless. Can you explain how your client qualified for one of the exemptions? Because I'm guessing they should, they, you know, in your opinion, they did. So let me, I, I, let me be perfectly clear. I, I'm a legal expert and you don't have to be a legal expert, but every Canadian should know the constitutional guarantee is very clear. I don't think it's confusing a lot at all. Upon arrested detention, every Canadian has the right to legal counsel immediately and without delay. Full stop. Is that a, but, but wouldn't phone call, a phone call to a lawyer be classified as, um, as, as having access to uh, counsel? Well, first of all, the police service were saying that because of COVID-19, that they didn't want um, that physical act. They didn't want to provide physical access. And that's entirely fine. And absolutely, a phone call is entirely um, is entirely per. uh, permissible as Reasonable, well. Reasonable, sure. And, and, but it's immediately and without delay, Kelly. Immediately and without delay. And so you tell me, mm. is is three hours in to an arrest for detention, is that immediate and without delay? I think that's pretty obvious. It's not. And so there was, um, and so Section 10B um, is, it really leaves no room for ambiguity on this point. Um, and, and so, again, the other piece here is, what was this all about? Right. This whole this whole. Do you think it's uh, a, it's it's heavy handed to arrest people um, because of vandalism like that? Is it the fact that it was very public? I mean, I saw a video of the protester throwing pink paint at the statue. I think I think there's a whole lot of ways to resolve something like this. I don't think that it needs to uh, it, 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 it this this needs to sort of escalate to what it has escalated to. Like I said, I can't think of a better example than the ones that we had spoken about earlier. And I think that, in, you know, if you take a bird's eye view for a moment and just sort of leave your home and your office and see your surroundings and recognize what is happening in the city and around the world in terms of, you know, both pandemics that we're in the middle of two, like, first of all, the COVID-19 pandemic, a second wave expected, a financial crisis going you know, potentially bracing ourselves for a deep, long recession. Plus, we have protests all around the world, the United States, uh, around some, raising some really good so, uh, questions about equality. Is this really the way forward? So the, so the future and the movement is saying, let's repurpose the Toronto police budget. That is a very reasonable okay. ask. Um, and I understand that 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 that's going on. I mean, I, I just want to get to one more thing before I let you go here, because it does pertain to the to the arrest. Chief Moore Saunders 
um, said that each detainee had access to counsel in the mid-afternoon, despite two indica indicating that they would seek rela release. And this leads to the tweet. Uh, they later refused and instead choice chose to remain in custody. So those um, accused, those detainees, um, when you had mentioned that it was tweeted out by the Toronto Police Service that they would be released, they, they chose to remain in custody. What do you know about that? So um, that's not actually true. Um, would you, and so I'd ask you, Kelly, and anyone listening, would you assign away conditions um, or agree to sign documents when you're under arrest without, um, without speaking to a lawyer? So uh, no, right? And so, um, and so if, had they had access to counsel, it's very reasonable to say, uh, I'm not going to sign away my conditions, not knowing what the conditions are, not knowing what, 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 what I'm agreeing to uh, without, uh, without having a conversation with the lawyer. And I hope... I hope you would never do that either. And I would certainly right. recommend that no one do that. And so this okay, was before, a of a phone call. If yeah. Officer Nadu um, had simply attended at 52 Division, there were elected officials from all levels of government, federal, provincial, municipal. There were faculty members and deans from all, the, from all universities, UC and York University, on standby. And there were civil society organizations, including doctors for, um, for Medicare, uh, and other a wide cross section of civil society organizations saying, uh, where uh, where is Officer Nadu? Where is the leadership? And Officer Nadu chose to uh, you know that was a there's a missed opportunity, and I think we can learn from this going forward that um, in in this climate we need to we need to do police community relations. Very, very differently, and that's sure. And I think everybody, right? And that's the major conversation. You're right. I have to let you go because I don't have a lot of time uh, here. I'm actually we've run very long in this interview, um, but I very quickly, if you could tell me in ten seconds or less, what's the pink paint about? Did your clients tell you? Was there any reason? Is there significance to the pink paint? Uh, so Egerton Ryerson uh, was uh, has um, pink paint, and like I said. Um, that was um, that was an artistic intervention into the legacy of Egerton Ryerson and his role. Okay, but why paint? Do we know? Is there a choice of color? Was there any reason for the choice of color? Is my question. Uh, as to why pink and not blue and not green? Yeah, or yeah, yellow? yeah. Just curious, because um, I, I want to know. I'm like I'm trying to wrap my head around what's going on here, and obviously, you know, I I, I can't really necessarily be part of the conversation uh, other than facilitating you know, having several voices on, but I was wondering if there's significance because I, I haven't seen it anywhere. Uh, like I said, the big, um, the big picture here is uh, the pink paint on Egerton Ryerson is about yeah. um, removing that statue. And I would bet you in this decade, Ryerson University, who has already distanced themselves from Egerton Ryerson, was already put up a plaque saying we, we, we denounced this particular legacy. They are, Ryerson University will not come out defending Egerton Ryerson. Uh, oh no, that thing's coming down. Says, There's no two ways about it. I think that if we had a little crystal ball right now, we'd uh, see them dismantling at some point that statue, if that's where you're going. i got to let you yeah. go because uh, okay, I've been going so. long on in this interview, but it's been a pleasure talking to you. Bye, Kelly.